Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. This is Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Tyler Aki alongside Jonathan Hoppy. We've got you for the next hour here on the voice of the Central New York sports fan. A big one coming up this afternoon for Syracuse. Hosting Wake Forest inside the dome. We'll break all that down in a second. But first, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Orange Fizz. And you can also find us on the iTunes Podcast Center by searching for us, Orange Fizz. Be sure to subscribe to us. You'll get all the latest podcasts, news, interviews, all that fun stuff and more. And then we're on Facebook as well, Orange Fizz. And also, we did a basketball preview show, and we were recording this on a Thursday night. So we don't know the result of the SU Cornell game yet, but we do break that down in a podcast that was released last night. So be sure to check out our analysis of Syracuse and the Big Red. That's probably a fun one, knowing the whole Jimmy Bayheim dynamic coming back, playing for his father, or playing against his father, rather. So our guys break all that down and more in the latest episode of the FizzCast. Be sure to check that out on our SoundCloud as well as on iTunes. So, Jonathan, obviously a big week for Syracuse football. Last week, a heartbreaker against FSU. Cole Murphy, he's been so good all season long, and then he goes out and misses the potential game tying kick he also missed a field goal earlier in the game so there's the difference right there and it works both ways Cole Murphy was very good against a team like Clemson a couple weeks ago you get the upset victory over the number two team in the country you put yourself on the college football map people starting to take you seriously meanwhile Clemson's kicker in that game was not too good in that one and he was the one that ultimately loses the Tigers the game if you look at how many points you leave on the board and stuff like that But last week against Florida State, it's Cole Murphy's turn to fall on the sword. Yeah, as we heard from Coach Dino Babers, you can't blame it on the kicker. No one guy is to blame. And I think Clemson would say the same thing when they lost to Syracuse in the Carrier Dome. The game cannot come down to kicking. There's too many variables involved with the kicker with all that pressure. Syracuse needed to do a better job against Florida State, and they didn't. That's the bottom line. They had chances to convert. They had chances to score, and they weren't able to do that. And on the road facing a team like Florida State, regardless of what their record is, you've got to be very efficient in those areas. And Syracuse wasn't, and that's why they lost. I think you bring up a good point, too, with Dino Babers. I mean, the kicker, you can't always blame him. And Paris Bennett, I think, brought up a great point. When you go out there and kick, you're pretty much on an island. And when you make your mistakes, it's much more magnified because it's hit or miss. Whereas if a guy like Paris makes a mistake, it's a missed tackle. Maybe someone's there to back him up. There is nothing good that can come after you let the ball go off your foot. Right. I mean, you look at it. A kick, too, is like so many plays in football. It's not just one man's responsibility. Right. Got to have a good snap. Got to have a good hold. Good blocking. And then the kicker has got to factor in the wind and everything else in a a hostile environment on the road and make the kick. So a lot comes down to that final play, and that just can't be the case for Syracuse. They needed to do better, and like I said, they didn't. And now they're sitting here four and five and needing a win this weekend. And four and five, that's the big thing right now. Is Syracuse going to get in with five wins? Who knows? They're going to need at least one more. It should be doable when you look at the remainder of the schedule, and it starts this afternoon against Wake Forest. 
We'll be covering that game, so be sure to follow us at Orange Fizz if you want all the latest updates and analysis there. But with Wake Forest, and we'll preview that more in, in our next segment, but they seem like the easiest opponent to beat on this remaining schedule. BC looks very sharp, and Louisville's Louisville. Yes, they're, they're actually the worst record-wise of these teams, but in terms of the conference, they sit at the bottom of the ACC Atlantic right now, but... Louisville's Louisville. You got Lamar Jackson. You know what he can do to you. He's done it before in the past. He's absolutely torched the orange, the hurdle. You've seen that a thousand times, and I'm sure in the next week you'll see it even more after this Wake Forest game. But, I mean, he brings a dimension of offense that is unlike anybody that Syracuse has faced this year. Lamar Jackson is certainly going to be a guy, and you mentioned those hurdles last year. Pretty impressive plays from Jackson. He's still on the roster, so even though Syracuse is playing a Louisville team that hasn't been as good this year, that's still going to be a challenging opponent. But you talk about Wake Forest. They might be the easiest team left on the schedule, but how easy are they, really? Because they just lost to Notre Dame by 11 points, the number 3 team in the nation, and then two weeks ago they beat Louisville at home. The craziest thing of this final three-game stretch, too, is we came into this season thinking, okay, these are the three maybe easiest games in terms of a three-game stretch Probably, that you're going to get yeah. outside of the first three games to open the season in which you go 2-1 and one instead of 3-0, and oh, and you're hoping to finish this final three-game stretch at 2-1 at and one because at the beginning of the season you thought Louisville was definitely a lot better than this. They came in as a ranked team, and it's also a road game as well. And, of course, Lamar Jackson presents that challenge, but now Louisville may be the worst of those three teams, and it's going to be tough week in and week out, and right now you're praying to get to 2-1 and one as opposed to thinking it was inevitable that you're 2-1 and one from this stretch. Yeah, so you think Wake Forest is the easiest opponent left. I actually think Boston College is and the hardest opponent. And that's a fair assessment. Opponent. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if you think about it, Boston College is a team last year, Syracuse beat on the road. Right. I mean, how many times does Syracuse and win Syracuse, on the road? And Syracuse, I think, if if you get better conditions against Wake Forest last year, more uh, more normal, basically not a hurricane, even if there's a slight rain, I think Syracuse wins that game, and it's not soaking wet for the entire 60 minutes that they're out there. But I, I agree. I mean, I think you could say that BC is the toughest, but I think you could also say they're the easiest as well. Yes, they've looked good this year. But there have been times when the Eagles have looked flat as well. Here's why I do think they're the toughest, because they're like Syracuse. They're a program on the uptick. Right. After last it season— It seems like a lot of ACC teams are like that right now. Right. BC is coming up like Syracuse, making a similar statement. That final game, it could mean a lot for Syracuse, and it could mean a lot for Boston College. Two teams trying to prove that they're the real deal— None of those squads are going to be laying down on the last week, so to speak. There's a lot on the line for these two teams this season to build that momentum and have it carry over into the next season. A loss in the final game would be bad for either team. You're listening to Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Tyler Aki and Jonathan Hoppy with you here until 10 o'clock on this Saturday morning. Syracuse and Wake Forest coming up at 3 o'clock later on today. Should be a good one inside the Dome. Now you're... If you think about it, it's been a while since Syracuse has been inside that carrier dome. You have to go all the way back to Clemson and the upset victory, and you, you put the bye week in there and a pair of road games. It's been a while since these Syracuse fans have experienced this team up close and personal, and one of the reasons why Syracuse beat Clemson, I don't care who says it or who doesn't say it, is because of the support that they got from the fans. Now you've dropped back-to-back -back heartbreakers. Both games you could have won. Both would have been impressive. Granted, 
Florida State not looking like the Seminoles team that it usually is, especially without its star quarterback, DeAndre Francois. But, I mean, you come off of two very hard-fought close contests. The Miami game was mm. one you felt like maybe you had. Story everything, of the season for Syracuse. Everything was going wrong in that Miami game, and they still had a chance at the end. But the fan support today, I don't know what it's going to be at. I don't think it's going to be as much as if they played Wake right off of the Clemson game. And obviously that yeah. that's probably the case, but I mean this Wake, I don't this Wake game, I don't know what this fan support's going to be like and that could make a difference late in the game. It could and there's a lot of variables especially now with the weather getting to be cold, you know, really cold. It was in the 20s yesterday and now we're looking at more cold weather. Does that help or hurt the fans? I've always wondered that, but I do agree after the 2 week layoff I should say, two games since Clemson, and they've lost both of those games, kind of that momentum has fallen off. So will the fans show up? Because that Clemson game, not only was it against a top-two team in the country in the Tigers, but it was parents' weekend at SU. And that's why the Dome was, quote-unquote, full, and now we'll see what the support is for a regular game. I think you bring up a good point with that momentum. Has it fallen off? I think you had momentum still after that Miami game. Because you felt like you were in it at the end. And it's a top 10 opponent. You went down to their place and you played them super tough in really crappy conditions. Eric Dungy was a warrior out there. Cole Murphy looked like Adam Vinatieri on the field. He's making <laughs> he's making kicks from 50 yards out. He's making them while he, he's halfway on the ground, slipping from those terrible turf conditions, which I know all too well from being a Bears fan and watching games at Soldier Field my entire life. But... <laughs> Uh, and then this FSU game, this is one that at the beginning of the season you say Syracuse loses by three to Florida State on the road. You probably feel like, wow, that's a that's a big step for this program. But it feels like the air has been taken out of the sails. I agree. And that's when you start to ask yourself, is there a ceiling on this team right now? With the current players they have on the roster, we know that other teams have more skill on its roster than Syracuse does. Is there that ceiling? Because this time last year, Syracuse was also 4-5. and five. And now, Tyler, I think we can both agree that this year has a different feel than last year. Right, exactly. But it's the same situation. 4-5, and five, two out of the three remaining games are at home. Can Syracuse execute down the stretch this year? Because like we've been talking about the easy and toughest opponents remaining, the fact is these are games that could go either way. I think Syracuse has a good chance in all of them. And if they're the team we think they might be this year and that we saw against Clemson, they'll win two out of three or maybe three out of three. But it's not out of the realm of possibilities that they lose every game to close the season, and that would be devastating. And the, you bring up a good point with the Clemson game. You're going to have to play that Clemson-type game if you want to finish this stretch 3-0 and and lock yourself in. I mean, 7-5 and is a wild success for this team oh, if yes. you look at it. But Wild I, success. I, I think... You bring up a good point because we haven't seen a game quite like Clemson. And it's not even that Syracuse did anything super special. They just played from the opening whistle to the final one. And that me you got the opening drive touchdown, and then in that fourth quarter, you chewed 12, almost 12 minutes off the clock. That's a complete football game right there, and that's what we've been missing from Syracuse so far in, in these late couple of stages. You look at Florida State, Miami, slow starts, slow starts. Um, even NC State, a slow start. LSU, slow start. It felt different against Clemson because you go out and get that opening drive touchdown. That's why I'm saying 
if you're Dino Babers, for every single game for the rest of the season, and yes, Eric Dungy's thrown a pick out of the gate in every single road game so far, but you win that opening coin toss, you receive the ball, and you have to go march down the field, and you do it with your ground game because Dante Strickland has looked a lot better lately. Tyler, we haven't seen sustained success. Not to cut your point off, but Syracuse hasn't won back-to-back to games, back-to-back games except one time this season, and that was Pittsburgh and Clemson. And I and think maybe that's the most unlikely back-to-back right. sequence. And Pittsburgh was too underwhelming at times, but there are some bright spots for Syracuse. Strickland is playing better. The offensive line has really gelled in this middle part of the season, but we haven't seen them it's take that complete, on the road. Though. No, right. it's not, and help is on the way, and I know we're excited about that here in Syracuse. But right now, it's it's not complete, but it has overachieved, and that's something that we're going to look at in the final three games, and as always, that's going to be a key. All right, coming up, we'll give a full breakdown of Syracuse and Wake Forest. That's on the other side. You're listening to Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Syracuse and Wake Forest today at the Dome, 3 o'clock, the start time in central New York. Tyler Aki alongside Jonathan Hoppy. You're listening to Fizz Radio on the score 1260. No basketball talk today on Fizz Radio. If you want a recap of Syracuse and Cornell, check us out on iTunes at Orange Fizz or on SoundCloud at Orange Fizz as well. You can get a full podcast breakdown of what went down between the orange and the big red. Now, Let's get back to football right here. We've got a big game to preview. Syracuse, Wake Forest, inside the Dome. This is, I mean, to be frank, this might be one of the biggest games of the year in terms of what this means for your future for Syracuse. Because if you win this game, you've got a little momentum rolling into Louisville. And along with that, you might be able to get into a bowl game with five wins. The APR stuff is always funky. You'll have to pass that test right there. SU sits right in the middle of that pack at about 65. Of course, that's coming from last year's ranking. But I digress. Now, Wake Forest today, the Demon Deacons, they're a pretty good football team. We talked about in the I'd last segment. So. In the last segment, and I mean, they're led by their quarterback, John Wolford, the senior. He seems to be the Perry Ellis of college football, has been there forever. And, I mean, you look at this Wake Forest team over the past two games, um, Louisville and Notre Dame, both very tough games, but the Demon Deacons have held their own in both. They beat Louisville 42-32 to and then lost to Notre Dame, which is a college football playoff contending team, 48-37. to Now, granted, there was some garbage time in there as well, but look at these numbers from Wolford over the past two games. Almost 800 passing yards wow. and seven touchdowns to just one interception. He's been unbelievable, and he's got a rushing touchdown in all but one game this year. That's incredibly efficient there from Wolford. That, I mean, that's great numbers. That's all you can ask for from your quarterback. And he's been the key for Wake Forest, a really resilient team. They lost three games in a row, and then they hosted Louisville and put up a great performance while they beat the Cardinals by 10 points. And that's something you like to see from a Wake Forest team. Couldn't beat Notre Dame last week. We mentioned that earlier. But they did hang in that football game against a really good Notre Dame team. So this is a Wake Forest team, a Demon Deacons team, that you've got to look out for. I don't think this is a game that's an easy win for Syracuse. And you talked about what it means for the program. I mean, you hate to throw that must-win on games, but coming off back-to-back losses, trying to get back to the performance against Clemson, and trying to get that fifth win, this is a big-time matchup for Syracuse against a team that shows it can beat good competition. Now, you look at these last five games for Wake Forest, they've lost four of their last five. 
So this is a team that's kind of sputtering out of control at the moment, definitely panicking down in North Carolina right now. But I think that you look at this team, a lot of it kind of reminds me of what Syracuse got with NC State. Now, granted, this game is being played at home, but Wolford's a quarterback. He's not going to make a lot of mistakes, only three interceptions, and it's actually all come over the his past four games that he's played personally. He did not play in that Clemson loss, 28-14, to which is another very close game that Wake Forest has played in. But, I mean, he's not going to make mistakes, and that reminds me a lot of Ryan Finley of the Wolfpack. Syracuse is going to need to have its A game defensively against a guy like Wolford, not going to turn the ball over, and the Orange had its chances against Finley. They dropped a couple of interceptions that could have completely changed the tide. I remember going into that game, Finley hadn't thrown a pick, and I can't remember how long, but it was a long time. And he he had been phenomenal up to that point, but the Orange had its chances to make him pay and just simply didn't capitalize. And and you're going to need to make Wolford make some mistakes this for game. For sure. You're going to have to make him make mistakes, and I think that's one of the keys to the game for me. Against Wake Forest, Syracuse has to win the turnover battle. We talk about it all the time. It's in particularly important on the road in environments like in Tallahassee for Florida State. But at home here in the Carrier Dome, Syracuse needs to come out and score the ball, and they also need to intercept a guy like Wolford and get some forced fumbles and then not turn the ball over themselves. We've seen that be a problem all season long. Early in the game, Dungy's throwing interceptions. They're losing fumbles. You can't have that. And against a team that pretty much protects the ball as efficiently as any team in the country, you're going to have to force turnovers. Because if they protect the ball, if they execute similarly to what NC State did back a couple last month, I think it's a formula for Wake Forest to win. That's how they win, conservative, clean football. You're listening to Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Tyler Aki, Jonathan Hoppy with you until 10 o'clock this morning on the voice of the Central New York sports fan. You look at the beginning of this Wake Forest schedule, it is unbelievably easy. Presbyterian College, 51-7 win. Then you go to BC for an early ACC game. You win that one comfortably. Utah State at home, easy win. And then a one-point win against Appalachian State, who, of course, has pulled hey, off don't upsets. sleep on the Mountaineers. They've pulled off upsets before, but that is far in the past, it seems like, at this point. Now, I mentioned four of the last five games have been losses. Your only win came at home against Louisville uh, two weeks ago. But you look now, three of the last four games, and including this one, so make it four of the last five games, including the Syracuse game that will be played today, have come on the road. This is a team that could be very mentally fatigued. That It is not easy to go into road environments in college sports and, and pull out a win. And this Wake Forest team is a prime example of that. And Syracuse, I think we mentioned it last segment. You have to have your foot on the gas pedal early if you're going to win this game. Yeah, you do. And you Knock them out early. No, you got to. And that's been a key for Syracuse all season long. Like I said, the slow starts, you just can't afford that. In a must-win situation like this against Wake Forest where you're trying to get your fifth win so you can then get that sixth win that would guarantee you a bowl game, you've got to knock them out early. And another thing you have to do is really just tell Wake Forest that they're not that good. Because they lost against, sorry, they've lost pretty much every game here in the second half of the season except that win against Louisville. We thought Wake Forest was going to come into this game reeling, losers of five in a row. That's not the case, but so much in sports we hype up one game, so is that one Especially victory. football. Especially football gives football. you that, that short memory. Right, so how much does that win against Louisville 
Exactly. That that's so far in the rearview mirror at this point. I mean, Syracuse. Yes, you haven't won in a couple weeks, and the bye week makes it feel like even longer. It's been close to a month since Syracuse won a football game, and it feels like it's been forever at this point. But that win was so monumental, I guess that maybe it was. Maybe it has a bigger impact, but. Both of these teams need to get back on their winning ways. Yeah, it's a great matchup. I mean, we want to talk about this game. It's a good one, and I think fans are going to fill the Carrier Dome, and it's going to be a rowdy environment up at Syracuse University because this is a game that people want to see. It's not just a game that you think Syracuse could win, and it's not a game like Clemson where you're coming for the competition. You're coming for a good ACC football matchup, and when's the last time we could say that? I think this it's, says yeah. something. I mean, you know, it's not that sexy of a matchup, but it is a game. And the way that, that the ACC's been this year, too, so up and down, what's going to be a good game, what's not going to be a good game? Right. I mean, the Boston College game, like we've talked about, looks good at the end of the schedule. It really looks like a good matchup. And so does this game against Wake Forest because there's been so much up in the air this year. So now people want to see, can Syracuse come back to the Carrier Dome and defend their home turf and beat a team like Wake Forest that we can all agree, if Syracuse is going to take that next step and that we think they're taking right now, this is a game you have to win. So can they do it? It's crazy to think that when you look at the the remaining schedule, and particularly with Wake and Boston College, if I told you Syracuse was going to overperform this season, which I think is safe to say that they have done, if I told you Syracuse has overperformed this season – and you go into the final three-game stretch and the Wake game and the BC game were going to be unbelievable football games, you would have called me crazy. Yeah, I would not have Because those looked that. like blowouts, especially if Syracuse was going to play a good brand of football this year. They do. This season has been crazy, not only in the entire ACC, but for Syracuse. Now you want to see and what can this team do. It's been a wild season, and that's what so many people love about college football. But if you're a Syracuse fan, you just want some consistency. And it's tough because I don't know if we haven't seen a consistent team, but in the past two weeks on the road in tough environments, it's it's hard to gauge. I mean, last week they showed good signs. So now you want to see them come back and beat Wake Forest. It's that simple. You, you, they got to win this game for numerous reasons. This is Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Tyler Aki, Jonathan Hoppy with you. Until the top of the hour, breaking down Syracuse and Wake Forest We'll get to some National Signing Day stuff in a little bit on the basketball front. But first, I want to break down one last player before we go to a break. Duke Ejiofor on that defensive line. Now, this is a guy, again, it's the NC State parallel. He reminds you a little bit of Bradley Chubb. No, he's not nearly as talented as Chubb, but, I mean, he's a guy who wreaks havoc on the defensive line. He gets that space on the outside. And Eric Dungey. You can't guarantee he's 100% going into this no. game. He's questionable coming in on the injury report. Now, will he play? Will he not play? That's still to be determined up until game time, and that's a scary thought. you got a quarterback who's a little dinged up, and then you've got a super talented rusher coming into the Dome. That yeah, makes me worry. not a good worry. combination. Not a good combination because these offensive linemen are going to be tested again. And as we touched on earlier in the show, it's a unit that's overachieved, but still not a great unit and an elite unit. They have room to improve, and they're working on that week in and week out. But you mentioned Dungy's health. Protecting him is going to be key, and he's going to have to be smart when he's running the football. 
he can't afford to take big hits in this game because if somehow— And I don't know if he's going to run all that often. I know he said last week with when Dino approached him and said, hey, do you want me to dial back on your play calling and how I I tailor you into the offense? And he said no. I don't think he can say no this game because— I don't think so either. He did not look like the same Eric Dungeon. He has to be careful. He was good last week, but he was in pain. If he gets hurt in this game, and you hate to talk about injuries, but we saw last week— he was, I mean, he almost didn't come back in the game. I know he came back in and showed some, some, showed some positive signs at moments, but you heard Babers talk about it after the game. He treats that very carefully because if he makes a mistake and he leaves him in when he shouldn't be in and Dungy somehow gets exposed, if he's hurt, all of a sudden this year looks a lot like last year. Dungy has to be smart and they have to protect him because you know if you're the Demon Deacons, you're coming after Dungy as soon as that whistle blows later today. Would you be okay if Dino Babers went into this one, Dungy's at about a 60% level? Are you throwing Zach Mahoney out there? I don't think so. I think Dungy is such a gamer, and we've seen that. He's such a warrior. No one can deny that. It's going to be hard to pull him out of this football game. He says he wants to win. Before the season, he was fed up at media day. He was looking at the media, not giving them any attention, a losing program, and Dungy, who knew he was a good quarterback, and he's shown the nation that this year wasn't getting any respect. And that'll do something to you. You feel like you deserve that attention and you don't get it? Well, what are you going to do? And he's come out and responded, as well as this entire football team. You can't take him out of this game now. The work is not over. They're just at four wins. That's what they had last year. The key now is five and six. I don't see a situation where you throw Mahoney out there. I I really don't, unless he's that banged up. But he came back to play last week. Don't see why he wouldn't start this week. I'll tell you what. I've got two players who I think really need to step up this week. It's Mo Neal and it's Irv Phillips. The screen game is going to be so important in this one because the running game has not been up to par. Granted, it's been better lately, but it's not getting you 100 yards a game out of your running backs. I want to see Mo Neal and Irv Phillips in that screen game really thrive right. in this quick one. Because hitters. the quick hitters, Dungy's not going to have a ton of zip on his ball going down the field if he's got the, that lower body injury that he seemed to have had uh, through, through the past game uh, against Florida State. So you're not going to connect on the deep ball. The timing might be a little off. Who knows how much Dungy's practiced with the first team because of the injury. He doesn't come out to, to the post-game media session. He doesn't co- go to media ops this week. Something's wrong. Something is up. I need Irv Phillips. I need Mo Neal to, to play well in this ballgame if Syracuse is going to win. Yeah, you do. And one thing you need are those quick hitters that we just talked about. They've got to be effective. That was a problem in the Syracuse offense early in the season. They kept throwing these quick passes. The screens weren't working. It takes all 11 guys to really execute. That's something we haven't seen early on. But now with Dungy hurt, they have to protect him. One of the ways you do that is throw quick passes so that defensive line can't get to Dungy by the time he throws them. If you're dropping three- and five-step drops, Syracuse offensive line, those tackles, Conway and McGloster, even though they've been good, they're going to give at some point. And I feel like Dungy is one big hit away from being knocked out of the game, and that's not a position where you want to be. So those offensive linemen have to protect him and then the quick hitters have to work. Otherwise, your offense is back to scrambling and Dungy running down the field, which really isn't what you want. 
This is Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Tyler Anki, Jonathan Hoppy. When we come back, we'll talk some National Signing Day. Syracuse basketball getting its commits to put the pen to the paper in the class of 2018. We'll break it down on the other side. This is Fizz Radio. Time for some SU basketball recruiting talk here on Fizz Radio. The score 1260. Tyler Anki and Jonathan Hoppy. Now, again, we're recording this on a Thursday night. So we don't know the results of the Syracuse basketball game yet, so you can find all that on our SoundCloud and iTunes Orange Fizz and get the latest with our post-game analysis podcast that we put out after every Syracuse football and basketball game. So you can find out the Fizz's thoughts on Syracuse and Cornell. But let's look at basketball news that did happen this week, National Signing Day, a bunch of Syracuse commits officially giving their word to the Orange. It's Darius Baisley, one of Syracuse's best recruits it's ever had. And then he is joined alongside Jalen Carey and then Buddy Beheim, Jim's son, of course, coming to the Orange. That's only two scholarships, though, you're using. Still some time to maybe add a couple more pieces. I know these past couple years, Syracuse has certainly done that, getting people late in the process. You remember Torian Thompson, and then, of course, the grad transfers have always been a thing with Syracuse as of late. So definitely not done quite yet, but... Not done yet. This Syracuse, I mean, this 2018-19 team, now some people might be a little down on the 2017 team based on who's gone, who's still here, what they have to Mm -hmm. prove, the youth. But with this 2018 class, this could be and I hate to say this because Jim Beheim said it a couple years ago or rather last year didn't work out so and well. it did not work out by any stretch of the imagination but this could be a super super talented Syracuse it team it could i mean it's lining up to be because the thing is Tyler these recruits that are coming they're not just good by themselves they come together to present a pretty formidable lineup when you think about Darius Baisley your athletic wing Jalen Carey, your point guard. Buddy Bayheim, a guy that can shoot the ball, bring other intangibles. That's a pretty good team. And on paper, if you can surround that with more experienced guys that will play this season for Syracuse, and hopefully it's a good season, but regardless, they'll be returning knowing the system with the new talent that will be here. There's a lot of reasons to be excited about the class of 2018 recruiting-wise. And there's a lot of reason to look forward. I know a lot of people have that 2018 class ranked very highly. Rivals has it just outside of the top 10. People know that these guys can play, and Syracuse is getting the recognition it deserves. Now, Baisley, clearly the most talented player in this class. He's SU's biggest no recruit doubt. since Carmelo Anthony. Who's Jalen that? Carey, <laughs> Jalen Carey, a, a big factor in this, but maybe the most intriguing name of all the three is Buddy Bayheim. Again, he doesn't take up a scholarship spot because his dad works for the university. So there's that. And Syracuse, in in its final stages of ridding itself of the the sanctions that came with the recruiting and the scandals and all that, Buddy doesn't take up the spot. And along with that, in talking with Baisley, this guy does more than shoot the ball. And talking with other people, too, he's more than just your stereotypical shooter. He's going to do more than that for you, and that could be huge for a guy who's going to be around. He's known the zone since he's come out of the womb. Hopefully. And, I mean, he lived in the coach's house his entire life. Right. If he doesn't understand the system, then nobody does, and it's time to retire. 
So I think that's really going to be a big factor. Is, Don't tell Jim to retire. No, I'm not. I'm just saying if he doesn't know the system, you know, it might be something to consider. But hopefully he does. I mean, all signs point to that he will. And I think that's a big a big factor because a guy that knows the system, that's key to the 2-3 zone. So if he can come in and step up and play well, and also he's going to have his chip, a chip on his shoulder. There's no doubt about that. People think, oh, Buddy Beheim, he's just on the team because of his daddy. He can just shoot. Like Baisley said, those things aren't true. He was getting looks from Gonzaga, and Mark Few is one of the best recruiters in the country, and for him to want to go across the nation to try to pick up a guy like Buddy. Now, granted, it seems like Mark and, and Jim have a, a pretty good relationship. They've they've coached against each other over the years, but yeah, Mark Few knows what he's doing. He knows what talent looks like, and he knows how to fit a system, and if he wants Buddy Beheim, that's a guy I want on my team. Yeah, I would say so. And if Baisley wants him, and I know a lot of times recruits will just blow smoke, but I don't think so. Baisley seems like a sincere guy. He has no reason to say that about Buddy Bayheim. And like you said, you know, it's a guy that comes on the team that can say, oh, he's just a shooter. That's not a moniker you want as a basketball player. So how can you get rid of that? And how you do that is you, you play good. And I think that's something that we can expect from Buddy Bayheim. But as I said, Tyler, the three of these guys form a good lineup. And if you could put pieces around them, this could be a really good team. And I know you don't want to hype things up. Like you mentioned, last year's team was hyped up, and boy, was that a disaster. Now, 2018, this is the interesting year because this could kind of be a boom or bust year. If you if you boom, you're looking at a national championship caliber team. You're going to have returning experience along with an uber-talented freshman in Baisley. And that might be the only season you get out of Baisley. He's talked with right. us. He says... That in a perfect world, he wants to be one and done. And you look at some of the projected mocks. Now, granted, these are way in advance, but Baisley's a projected first-round pick. He sits at around 17. Right. Which would make in sense the first as a top-ten recruit. Right, absolutely. And I think that you're probably only getting one season out of Baisley. Tyus Battle, mm, probably not there next year. Oh, he's gone after this year. I've been saying that. I, I just don't. I don't think a guy like him right. will return. I mean, there's always variables that go along with that, mm -hmm. but you'd have to think he'd be gone. But you're going to get some guys back for sure. Probably O'Shea Brissett is a big key. And then, and then you'll have returning veterans as well. You'll have a guy like Frank Howard coming back. He's going to be tasked with being that veteran leader. And so far this season, in how we've seen him kind of speak and lead, it seems like he's a different Frank Howard. Now, yeah. granted, I feel like we've said that about Frank every single year since he's been here and he hasn't lived up to that billing quite yet but this could be a different frank howard nowhere to go but up after last year <laughs> absolutely and, and so yeah 2017 or 2018 rather it's exciting that's got to be the year that has to be the year and if it's not don't it, put too much pressure on it though come on that i think that's kind of the problem with Bayheim on the back half of his career to say the least but why is he, it unfair to not give this pressure because this is when it's all said and done, going to be one of well the best, pressure. the best teams on paper in the country. Paper I get they play much. I mean, last I year's they team play was good on paper. It was awful at defense, and that's something you have to consider. And that's something that's going to be a little different in this class. I feel like because you've got the length with with Baisley. I don't know what Buddy's role is going to be right out of the gate, but he should know the system. Jalen Carey, he gives you some length at the top of the zone, albeit he may not start right away. But Frank Howard's going to be a senior. That's going to have to be a defensive team as well, and I think they've got the tools to be one. All right, put the pressure on him. Bayheim, you know, he's looking for that second national title. Obviously, that is the 
the goal every season. And, and when you think about a good team, is you think about that. But as we've seen so many times, the national championship and the final four runs in March aren't that much about talent. You've got your teams that are always consistently there with talent, but is that team clicking at the right time? And that's what it's going to be up to for these recruits. Can they gel and be good as a team? Because if they're just individuals, that'll only get you so far. You need that chemistry to push you through the tournament. All right, running up against the clock here on Fizz Radio. When we come back, we'll get to Fizz feedback, answer all your questions, and take a look at the polls that we put out on Twitter. That's coming up on the other side. It's Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Got about four minutes left with you here on Fizz Radio, Tyler Aki and Jonathan Hoppy. Let's get to Fizz feedback right here. Let's First do it. question we put out Syracuse football will finish the season. Your options 3 0, 2 1, 1 2, 0 oh, 3. The leader in the clubhouse 2 1 with 51% of the vote. That's followed by 3 0, oh, then 1 2, 0 oh, 3, pulling up the rear at 6%. Are you surprised by this? I don't think so. No surprises there. This fan base is. You know, for good reasons, optimistic. There's no reason. I'm just surprised the optimism is still there that it's going to well, say two and one. I think people get it. I think I'm more surprised that one and two is third and three and zero oh is second in the poll. Well, I think honestly, it is o, much o more likely. Three is more likely than one and two, in my opinion. If things are coming off the really? tracks, they're coming off hard. I, I disagree. I think they squeeze one win out, and I think it comes today against Wake Forest. So you think that's that's the only game, or you just think that's I think that, that's a, a likely win. win. A likely I th- I'm not going to guarantee a win, but I think that's a, a likely win. I, I'll I'd put give the Syracuse pressure on at least a 65% chance to win the game today. Okay. I mean, it'll be close, but, you know, if for some reason they don't win the game today, which I am anticipating they will, I don't know. Things could get things could get ugly. Yeah, then you're, then you're staring 0-3 right in the face. Next no question, which Syracuse basketball player are you most excited to see this season? Is it Tyus Battle, Frank Howard, O'Shea Brissett, or other? Reply below. O'Shea Brissett getting the majority vote in this one, 53%. He's followed by Tyus Battle at 38, Frank Howard in third, and then other gets 1%. I'm actually surprised other didn't get more because there is one name out there that I think has been phenomenal through the beginning of the season. Sidibe. I think that's the guy that people are – need to start getting excited about i think he's your starting center and i think that's I think not you're right take much time to figure out and i think we heard in the post-game press conference last monday that that's kind of where jim Beheim is heading and he says we've got the centers figured out and was complimentary of sidibe's game over chukwu's so we're gonna have to look at that but i am surprised at this poll because i think frank howard deserves more than what eight mm-hmm. percent i just think frank howard i know people are fed up with him but in terms of key to the season, for me, it's Frank Howard. Can this guy distribute the ball to an offensive team that doesn't have a ton of natural scores outside of Tyus Battle, who doesn't always have a shot to begin with? It's going to be a challenge for Howard as the leader of the offense and as the distributor. Can he drive to the basket? We've seen it in the preseason. Can he be aggressive? Can he be that guy? That's what I want to see because if he's not, I think all this other stuff is off or not. I, I, getting back to the, the Sidibe Chuku uh, scenario, I said this on the, the preview podcast that I did with Tim Leonard, and you can check that out on our SoundCloud and iTunes, Orange Fizz. I think this could become a Daywan Coleman-type situation where Pascal's the starter. He goes out, wins you a jump ball. Then you, you get to the first timeout, and he's coming out. 
and, and then you're putting in Sadibe who plays the bulk of the minutes. He came but, out last week. But and then again, half in. these are <laughs> exactly these are big guys. They're not built to play. 40 minutes, 35 minutes, like the rest of these guys, like the Tyus Battles, like the O'Shea Brissettes will probably be called on to do. This is These are guys who are built to play about, what, 20, 25 minutes? Yeah. Just and you're block gonna have shots. To, you're going to have to disperse that somehow. Give me rebounds, block shots. That's what you want from those guys. Whoever can do that the best and anchor the 2-3 zone, that's the guy I want in there because I think that gives Syracuse the biggest chance to win and win consistently as having a good defense. And it's something we haven't seen so far in the preseason, and will we see it when the season starts and as it goes on here next week, that's going to be the key. Give me your name real quick. Who are you most excited to see? I'm most excited to see probably O'Shea Percet. I'm going Barama. That's all the time we have here on Fizz Radio. Check us out online wherever you can. Thanks for listening, and have a great rest of your day.